the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Coming up, Nicole tells your fortune looking ahead. So get out your crystal and stay tuned with Mistress Nicole. All dressed in leather, you won't forget her. You want to love her and you won't let go. Who's that woman, crazy woman? Nicole. From all the give and take Cause Washington's a battlefield But please make no mistake Just knowing that you're out of town Will give us all a break We could all use some comfort and joy Comfort and joy We could all use some comfort and joy your dinner, just relax, remembering the good times. Exploratory junk is paid for on the people's dimes. Those ski resorts and skybox sports must really be sublime. We could all use some comfort and joy, comfort and joy. We could all use some comfort and joy. The Congress says approval rate is lower than a worm. What makes you think that you deserve another two-year term? Why don't you call a lobbyist? They'd love you at the firm. We could all use some comfort and joy. We hope you have a pleasant time on this year's holiday. Everybody needs to chill on a wintertime vacay But do us all a favor though, just stay the hell away So we can get some comfort and joy So we can all get some comfort and joy Gates and Taylor Green, the crazy list goes on. The only consolation now is George Santos is gone. But he'll be back next year or someone else will come along. We could all use some comfort and joy, comfort and joy. We could all use some comfort and joy. Don Karen and the Parody Project. I'm telling you, the man is prolific this time of year. He'll go like weeks and sometimes I think even months without putting out a song parody. And for the holidays, it's like, boom, there's one every day. And I appreciate it because it gives me something uh, fun and festive to begin the show with. Um, Because we start off like that and then we sort of deteriorate into something different. So today, now that I've had um, a chance to sort of gather my thoughts, it's been a, it was a weird 24 hours. So yesterday, just after the show started, um, I, uh, I uh, looked over at the chat room as I, as I tend to do, uh, I shouldn't, but I do, and um, saw that somebody uh, right at the, right, right around now, yesterday, um, posted in the chat room that Jim Ladd had died. Now, if you are not from the Los Angeles area, and certainly before uh, Sirius XM radio came to be, then you may not know who Jim Ladd was. But um, he was a radio legend. And um, when I got to Los Angeles, I, I didn't know who Jim Ladd was. I had come from New York. I had worked in New York radio. and um, But I quickly learned Jim Ladd was radio God. Um, and it's funny because we never worked together. We worked at the same radio stations at different times. So when I first got to LA, Jim Ladd was, he held courts on KLOS. Um and his whole thing was <clears throat> that he, you know, radio changed so much around the time, really, that I got into it, sadly enough, uh, where freeform radio had, and, and we're not talking talk here, we're talking music. Freeform radio 
was the stuff of the 60s and even the 70s, you know, when FM came to be. And um, that's what Jim Ladd excelled in. And he prided himself on being able to put together a show and weaving themes with the music and what, you know, he said. And um, and uh, then the consultants got involved and everything became very formulaic, very formatted. And um, uh, Jim found himself on the outs. So he was let go by KLOS. He wound up, so he worked at a number of different stations, the big stations in, in LA that some are not there anymore. KMET he was at, I believe. Um, he was at, uh, after, so, so by the time I got to KLOS, in 1990, I went there to produce the Mark and Brian morning show. Jim Ladd was already gone from nights. He went over to KLSX, the classic rock station, where I had worked when I first got to LA. It's all very incestuous. And so, um, uh, um, you know, and then he went to this other station, KMPC-FM, which interestingly enough had a great format. It was, it was Jim Ladd at night. It was JJ Jackson, who was the program director. It was Mark Goodman, who you might remember from, uh, from MTV. Um, and, uh, uh, Randy Thomas and Anita Gevinson, two women that I, that I knew very well. Um, and they had, they called it the station, the edge. And it was, it was really great. I remember, I remember sitting and listening to the radio the, the 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 last day that the edge was on the air and you know unlike the, how the format changes happen now when a station goes off the air it just goes you know the, the the whole local aspect of radio has pretty much disappeared over the last 10 15 years and um yes at the second you were correct he was 75 i'm i'm math uh, uh um not good at math. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, anyway, so um, uh, so he was at the edge. And he had gone back and forth. In the later years, um, KLOS actually hired him back for a while and let him do his own thing at night, which in this, say, millennium, in this century, uh, that was unheard of because, you know, I know this bursts so many people's bubbles when they think about radio. Certainly, the, you know, the way it is now, it's not that big of a stretch, but a disc jockey comes in. They, you don't, you don't get to pick the music. You have a printout of the songs you're going to play and you follow the music log. Um, used to be that, that you'd pull this, the, the albums or the CDs and stack them up. So you'd have them all ready to go. Um, now everything's on the computer. So you don't even have to pull the records. It's just there. You just, hit the button. Um, but Jim Ladd was allowed to do his own show at night. And yes, I mentioned this yesterday, Tom Petty's song and actually the whole album, The Last DJ, was written sort of as a tribute to Jim Ladd, the last DJ who gets to play what he wants to play. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's it's really kind of, it's, it's very sad. And the thing that's so, and, and, and like I was saying, I never... I never worked with Jim Ladd. I did meet him on a couple of occasions, but we crisscrossed radio stations. Um, we worked at the same stations at different times. Um, when I bought my first house in Los Angeles, it was in Los Angeles and it was 1994, um, it, 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 1994, 95. And it was in Laurel Canyon. You know, you've heard about all the, the legendary artists who lived in Laurel Canyon. And it, it, there was something magical about that place. And so my house was on Kirkwood Drive. In fact, it was, I think it was 8459 Kirkwood Drive. The cool thing is with Google Maps, you can pull it up and look at it. So much what, what you can see from the outside anyway. And this house, it was a little cottage. It was really, it was one bedroom, one bath. But downstairs, I guess somebody before me had converted the downstairs garage into like another um, bedroom. It was like a bit, it was a weird thing. And I had done some renovations on it too, but the, the thing I'm getting at it, a couple of things. One is, so this was, um, almost 30 years ago. I think when I bought this house, it was about $125,000 and I sold it for like one fifty. 
when I when I moved, I wound up moving down to San Diego. And um, I thought there's no way this house will ever go for anything more than that. It was a little cottage, although it was in a very cool area. Um, I looked it up yesterday to to try to get a, a, a my bearings on where Jim lived because he lived right up the street from me. And the house now on Willow on Willow on Zillow, they have it valued at one million two hundred thousand. <laughs> it's like it's like monopoly money, you know. Oh yeah. Anyway, when I moved in. Um, I had a big housewarming party. I had a lovely area outside and I had bands play. So there were two bands that, that used to come on the air with us and um, the wild colonials and the young Dubliners. And we had sort of a mashup of the two bands play at my housewarming party. So we called them the wild Dubliners or the young colonials. Anyway, I didn't know it at the time, but Jim Ladd lived like five houses up the road from me at the top of the hill. In fact, it was one of those really cool houses in um, in in the hills, in the Hollywood Hills, that you had to take a little cable car from the street up to his house. But anyway, I never knew, I or at the time, I didn't know that he lived there. I met Jim Ladd some months later, and he said, oh yeah, you're the one, you moved in down the street, you had that party that night, and they were playing music to all hours of the morning. <laughs> He bitched at me for the band playing at my housewarming party. That's my memory of Jim Ladd because I did not know him well. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I didn't know him or that we didn't know each other. Of course, I knew him. He was a legend in my industry when at a time when we're watching people drop. I mean, 75 <laughs> you know, if you would ask me 40 years ago, I'd say 75 is, is old. Now I'd say it's relatively young. And we're seeing, you know, the, our contemporaries dying. And it makes it, it just, it brings home our mortality. So, of course, I'm thinking at the end of the year, as we come to the end of the year, we always start thinking about those lists of, you know, things we accomplished this year or didn't accomplish this year or in our lifetimes. And and at the end of the year, you know, people die. It's part of the circle of life. Um, and I, I got to tell you, one of the reasons I'm still on Facebook is because a lot of my old music industry and radio contacts and friends are on Facebook and it's how I keep up with them. Well, my Facebook feed yesterday and today is just nonstop um, memories of Jim Ladd and, and people who don't, didn't work in the industry, but who grew up with him, you know, who it's, it's a slice of our life. And, and, you know, when I read the news yesterday, one, or I saw it in the, in the chat room, part of me was, um, of course, it, it sort of slapped me across the face, like, wow, last thing I, I thought I'd see. And, um, but it, it surprised me how affected I was and how it stayed with me all day. And I kept going back to memories. And I remembered I had pulled... I I have boxes and boxes of of cassette tapes, um, a bunch of shows that I was on and that I produced, um, but also of other moments. And I unearthed this one. Uh, this uh, I'm just going to play a couple of minutes of it. Uh, but I want to tell you about a place, a repository, as it were. Um, it's the Internet Archives. Are you are you familiar with this? Because you should be. If you go to archive. Org. There's so much stuff there. In fact, the Internet Archive, <clears throat> which is at archive.org, is fighting with a lot of publishers about the fact that they've digitized thousands and thousands and thousands of books that are available at archive.org for you to read. You can read them for free. It's not only books. It is um, video, movies, radio shows. So there's all kinds of radio stuff archived there. And one of the things that I put, I put up a whole collection there, just so you know, a bunch of, bunch of old radio um, moments of history. And it, there's this one that I unearthed. 
And I'm just going to play a couple of minutes of it, but I want to let you know that it's there. And in fact, I'll link to it from my blog today where I post, I post each day's show on my website at NicoleSandler.com followed by the date. So it's always easy to find. So today will be NicoleSandler.com slash 12 dash 19 dash 23. It's always in that format. Um, No paywall at my website. So you can go back and listen to shows from it whenever, wherever, however you want. Um, But this was from sometime in 1994. I don't have the date, but KLOS and it's brilliance that it's radio. It's not brain surgery. Um, fired two of their best known disc jockeys on this particular day. Uh, Bob Coburn, who we lost about eight years ago now, Bob Coburn, um, died of lung cancer again, hit very close to home. I knew Bob very well. Um, he used to follow Mark and Brian on the air. So I would see him every day. And, um, right around the time I was diagnosed is when uh, Bob Coburn died of lung cancer. So again, it all comes full circle. So Bob Coburn and Joe Benson, Uncle Joe Benson, as he became known, um, were both fired from KLOS on this day in 1994. And Jim Ladd was doing nights on KLSX. And he invited them to come on the air to say goodbye because when you got blown out of a radio station, you didn't have a chance to say goodbye. So here's a few, I'll I'll post the whole thing, uh, the link to it on the blog today, if you want to listen to it, but here's a few minutes of it. From uh, Downs from there. you saw the stuffed sheep out in the yeah. hallway. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Bill Downs, was Downs, was, Downs was physically weeping on the air. I know he was. He was. He this was, is Jim Ladd talking. Said, but then I said, "Would you like to stick around and see the guys?" Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, man, Fraser's on at nine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, no respect, I tell you. Well, let's uh, get in, Jim Ladd into talking. as much or little detail as you want. But I think people who may not know why you are not a KLOS would like to know. So who wants to take that one? I was hoping you could tell us why. That's Bob Coburn. <laughs> um, they, and the very deep voice is Joe Benson. It's true. We're always the last to know. I, I think in a nutshell, they wanted to uh, uh, stake out in a different direction, and they felt that we were not part of that direction. That's as succinctly as you can put it. You can get into the ramifications of what that means and why they came to that decision. But I don't know if I can honestly answer that. I think that's in their mind. They made the choice. Uh, I always said about KLOS, the only time I'm going to leave is when they ask me to, and they ask me yeah. to, so yeah. I'm out of there. What about you, Joe? Uh, exactly the same thing. Well, Joe Benson I would say here. that the audience that we've come to know over the past 712 years uh, as an audience <laughs> that uh, they really weren't uh, interested in or they're going a different direction now. So uh, the people we become friends with, that's a different group now, I guess. Uh, okay, now I know you guys are, are too gentlemanly to say it, so I'm going to. The Jim Ladd here. That they want to go in a different musical direction as long as it's in the rock genre and apparently newer rock in quotes. All right, so that's enough. If you want to hear, you know, three old radio legends sitting around talking, I'll, I'll put the I'll put the link to that. But I also tell you about this because as I'm feeling, you know, my own mortality, it's like we're all going to go soon. Um uh, I, I it, on this internet archive, I put up a whole collection of interviews that I've done over the years with musical artists. So um, we, uh, um, it, it, this is my way of saying next week, I'm going to take a vacation. Well, a staycation, we're not going anywhere, but I'm going to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off. As usual, uh, for Christmas, I will do a non-traditional holiday music uh, show or two that will run on Progressive Voices. It will not be on YouTube because, you know, YouTube would copyright violate me and I'd be kicked off. But it'll be on Progressive Voices and I'll post them on the website at NicoleSandler.com so you can listen. and yeah, it, it is, right? So Tim Lowry in the chat room said, I love classic radio moments like this, even if I didn't live in that city at the time. Something special. Oh, I think that was supposed to be special. There was a typo in there, but it took me a second. Um, yeah, and so so I'm two things. One is I'm putting together best of shows for when I'm gone. Uh, and so uh, I will take requests, but you got to get them to me now because I'm working on them like now, uh, you can email me, Nicole at NicoleSandler.com. If there's any interviews that I did over, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be this year. 
just I'll put together shows to run for that week. And um, I'm going to put together special uh, music shows as well, and I'll explain them as they come. So just my way of saying, yes, I will be off next week, but I don't do what the other shows do when I'm off. I don't, um, I don't, uh, you know, just run full shows from the last month. Um, I dig deep into the archives and pull out some, you know, cool moments, slices of life, of history. Um, so, uh, and I've got this whole music archive of artist interviews to play too. And I think the week between Christmas and New Year's is a good time to do that. So anyway, um, so I'm just saying, come next week, you'll have good stuff to hear and not your typical, you know, best of fair. Um, so that's going on. I didn't tell you who our guest is today yet, did I? Brian Karam, always one of my favorite guests. And the reason, well, I, I don't ever need a reason to invite Brian Karam on the show. For the, those of you who are not recalling uh, who that is, um, you'll go, oh yeah, him. Brian Karam used to, he was like the White House, not like the, he was the White House correspondent for Playboy magazine. He was the last employee of Playboy magazine, the last writer employed by Playboy magazine before they, um, uh, before they ceased publication. Uh, and now he's writing a column at salon.com and his column from last week is what we're going to talk about. And it's about a dream he had about a presidential speech that we really need right now. So I thought we would do that. But I look up and I see there's a, a somebody calling from I think from Vermont. Hi, who's this? Yes, hello Nicole. My name's Timmy and I'm calling from Vermont. My question to you is is where is uh, Topanga Canyon in relationship to Laurel? Okay, so yeah. Topanga Canyon, if you go up Pacific Coast Highway, that's so Topanga is further north. So uh, Laurel Canyon is in the Hollywood Hills. Topanga Canyon is is closer to Malibu Canyon. So Topanga is like between. Um, so there's Santa Monica and Pacific Palisades, and then you'll hit. Topanga Canyon. And you can take that over the hills into the valley and it'll come out somewhere like around Woodland Hills or something. But um, Laurel Canyon is it, it is more in the Hollywood Hills. So it's um, it, it's south and west and east get all mushed up. But um, Laurel Canyon's in the Hollywood Hills. Topanga Canyon is is closer to like to Malibu and and further north in the valley if that makes sense. Topanga's yeah. wonderful. It's wonderful hippie country where Laurel Canyon was mostly known for the music scene. Yeah, well, it's ironic you, you say that because uh, I just finished recording an album with a gentleman, and he's now 86. Wow. But he was, uh, no, but he was tour manager for Three Dog Night. Okay. And, uh, he was a big dog and he was best friends with, and I'm sure you know this man's name, best friends with Hoyt Axton. Sure. Amongst other things. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I was just curious about the proximity of it. And uh, and that's pretty much it. I, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in Vermont. Great. I, I have I, no idea. <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, to it, you step into another world. You go into another you know, dimension, it seems, and all these different canyons. So LA is in the Hollywood Hills. There are, there are tons of windy roads that go through the hills. And I'll tell you, that's what's nice being in Arizona is being around mountains again, because Florida is just flat, boring land. So uh, it's one oh of the many God. things I'm I, liking I was about. there for two years. Oi vey. And I <laughs> <see>. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. But uh, no, I just, the gentleman's name is Jonas Hardy. He, he actually took off with uh, uh, the lead singer's wife, Chuck Negron. Oh, wow. Yeah, that Negron's kind of stuff wife. happened a lot, I think. 
I know their son very well too, uh-huh. but I was just, I was simply curious and I appreciate your time with me. Anytime. Thank you for calling. You betcha. All right, Tim, take care. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I could go into geography of, of Los Angeles, but here's the thing that gets me. If I only held on to those houses. So I own three houses in Los Angeles in the years that I lived there. My first house was the one in Laurel Canyon and then I moved down to San Diego. When I came back to L.A., I, I got my next house was in the Hollywood Hills. It was an adorable house. Um, and it I can't even explain it. It was on Woodrow Wilson Drive. It had a like a turret room. It had like a, a room where you, you'd have to climb up this like a ladder attached to the wall. And um, it was round. And I, I always thought, oh, I'll do yoga and meditate up here. I never did. <laughs> and um, that house, when I sold it, I, I don't know who bought it from me, but there's a, a reporter named Lisa Guerrero. She did sports and um, I think like Entertainment Tonight or one of those kind of shows. She she lived in that house for a while. A lot of people lived there. Um, and then when I was adopting Allison, that house was not really child friendly because a lot of stairs. And uh, then I bought the house in Culver City. Before it was Culver City. Well, it was Culver City, but it hadn't exploded yet. And um, yeah, and, and that house, I, I, I live in the land of woulda, shoulda, coulda, because I go on Zillow and I see that house that I sold in 2001 for $435,000. They have it valued over $2 million now. Just think if I, if I just, you know, held on to them. Oh, well, here we are. It is now on the cusp of 2024. I will never, ever be able to live in Los Angeles again because you can't. Interesting conversation going on in the chat room now, though, um, where people are talking about what happens after you die. Uh, Maybe we'll have to do a uh, one of those. Yeah. See, Karina even said one of my old homes was sold for three thirty back in nineteen ninety. Last I checked, it was valued over nine hundred thousand dollars. And in Los Angeles, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't know how anybody lives there. So anyway, all this is um, uh, this is what goes through your mind when somebody you knew or somebody who was in your orbit dies. And because Jim Ladd was so top of mind for so many people, Sirius XM had tributes. I got to tell you, I'm listening. We're in the car last night. We went to dinner with uh, David's son and his fiance. And we're driving. And, and on one of the Sirius XM channels, they do a little tribute to Jim Ladd. And all I could think was he would be both happy that they were doing this and pissed off because they had relegated him to one show a week. Jim Ladd was on uh, the Deep Tracks channel, which then they pushed to a, a, a channel that's not available in most cars, and, um, and just had him on once a week. And he would complain about it. Yeah, I'm only on once a week. And so, uh, you know, oh, what happens when people die? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Now Culver City. It, it, no. Karina said Culver City now is known only known for Sony TV studios and the dying Fox Hills Mall. That's so not true. Culver City exploded into a mecca for restaurants and shops and um, the MGM studios there. Sony studios is there. No, it it became a thing when when I bought there. It was a sleepy little town in uh, in West LA, but no, no, it, it, it became huge, huge. I tell you, huge. All right. So Brian Karam's going to be here. In fact, he should be joining us any minute. Now I want to share with you a little bit of this column um, because uh, it, it was written so beautifully. And I, Brian Karam is a great writer. Um, in fact, he's written something like six or seven books and um uh, the last one called uh, Free the Press, and it, it's a subject matter he knows well. Um, Brian Karam sued the Trump administration, I think, three times to keep his press access, his press pass. Um, and, uh, you know, he also famously asked if, um, uh, asked Donald Trump at one of those press availabilities if Trump 
would, um, you know, do as every president had done before him and 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 commit to a, um, uh, you know, peaceful transition. And 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 Trump would not answer him. Um, uh, I see. Okay, so I see Brian Karam is here. I don't hear him, but I see him. And it looks like there's somebody there with him. There's something. going. I'm just going to bring him up. One second. Oh, he says one second. Oh, you're not ready for me yet. I'm ready. Oh, and he's there. So I'm just talking about you. You can, you can barely hear me. God, what's going on? There we go. Okay. That's better. Okay. I just boosted my mic. Always helps to turn up the mic a little bit. So (laughs) Brian Karam is here. Um, I I've been talking about you. Uh, about your Uh-oh. background and the fact Hopefully it's all good, it, all good. <laughs> and I, and I said, look, I, you don't ever need a reason for me to invite you on the show. I always love talking to you. I, I love your writing and I, and I, and I am a fan of your work. Um, well, thanks. Sure. Uh, it, it, but it's, it's true. I, I, I don't, um, you know, I don't say things I don't mean. I dig the shades too. Um, but I mentioned that you were the last man standing literally at Playboy magazine, right? You were the last employee before they shut, folded Yeah, magazine did fold. Yeah. Um, and, and you were there covering the white house and doing not what, you know, most people think of when they think of Playboy magazine, uh, a, a reporter, a, a veteran reporter in the White House press room questioning the president. Well, Nicole, I was the excuse people gave for buying the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just bought it for the articles. Right. <laughs> the, the interviews. I mean, Playboy was known for some great interviews. Most notably, I did John the Lennon. last Playboy interview, and it was with Anthony Scarmucci. And uh, <laughs> it was it was fun to do. Um, but it was also kind of a, uh, you know, uh, it was also kind of sad when you think about all the people that have been in the pages of Playboy, you know, Martin Luther King. Uh, I, I mean, just just some very heavyweights, very big heavyweights in, in the world. And so it was it, it was bittersweet being, the you know, doing the last Playboy interview. Oh, I'll bet. And again, being pr- pretty much the last employee because they had been letting people go all around, but you were, you were getting a lot of attention and doing really good work at the white house, you know, daring to challenge the former guy and ask him questions like, will you, uh, will you promise to do as every president before you has and, and engage in a peaceful transfer of power? And he refused to answer. No. And he, you know, as funny as the four years he was there, he would never call me by my name in public, although he knew it. He would always go, uh, Playboy, how do you, with the play, the guy from Playboy, what are you doing, Playboy? So that was, uh, it was, or, or that guy, he was, I told him that they let this guy in here, it's going to be trouble. So it was, he, yeah, that was, a, it was an interesting time. And, and, and they did, he tried to take your, your press credentials away and you sued what, three times? Uh, he tried to take my press credentials away. We sued to keep them. He lost, he appealed, he lost, he appealed, he lost. So yes, we kicked his ass three times in court. Thank you. My wonderful attorney, Ted Boutros, who is one of the best first amendment attorneys in the country. And I can never Ted have this Boutros. conversation. What, wait, why do I know that name? He's done more high profile stuff than just your case. Oh yeah. He was Jim Acosta's uh, attorney. He's represented uh, a lot of, uh, uh, media companies and, and reporters. Great guy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so here we are now these days, you're writing a column at salon.com, which, you know, I got to give props for to salon.com because they have been consistent over the years. A lot of publications and online publications, which they are, have come and gone. Um, salon has been there certainly as long as I've been doing, you know, the talk radio stuff and they have mm-hmm. great columnists that, you know, you Digby uh, is there yeah. a number of others and they've always, and they've remained independent, right? They're not owned by any big company, are they? Uh, they were just bought out by two French oh. brothers, but oh. I think that it's not a, they're not large media company, but you know, they're, they're still independent. Yeah. And do you get to just write about whatever you want to write about? Yeah, I'm still in the White House. I go to the uh, White House briefing. Uh, I'm out of town now, uh, but when I'm in town, I you know I go to the White House, go to the briefing while I'm there, uh, cover Congress. I'll travel sometimes and cover the president or the first lady or the vice president. So yeah, I'm still pretty much doing what I did with Playboy, just doing it with Salon. Uh, 
Nice. And and the, the reason I asked about if you get to write about what you want, that's like the ideal job. Although I would guess some weeks it's more difficult than others. Like, a, you know, it might be easier to get an assignment. It's like, okay, write a thousand uh, words okay. on. <laughs> I'm, I'm past that. I, I got to tell you, I, I know what I want to write about just by covering, just by being, and usually it has something to do with, um, with an issue that's in the white house or in, you know, in the public domain, or based on a question I've asked in the briefing or a question I've asked of the president, the first lady or the vice president, or <clears throat> excuse me, one time covering uh, the vice president, just being there in where she was and covering that event. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that. And it's it, it, at this point in time, I kind of know the issues and I, I, I just try to get straight to that. Right. So right now, um, the media as, as a monolith seems to be, um, well, derelict in its duty, I think, to, to and, and I hate, you know, talking no, about it as if it's one thing. Um, but, there, you know, polling. OK, the election is still 11 months away, which is an eternity in, in political world, right? Anything can happen. Anything can happen in 11 months. Um, I still remain unconvinced that the stand, that the um, showdown that a lot of the media thinks is coming, uh, you know, the, the second round between Biden and Trump, I still don't believe I haven't seen anything yet that indicates that Donald Trump will actually still be in the race. Really? Um, I, I think it's questionable. I, I think that there hasn't been a vote taken yet. So people who think it's a fait accompli that these two will show off, you know, show down for a second time or throw down for a second time. I'm not convinced yet. I, and I'm not the one that's going to read the tea leaves. I'll tell you what's in front of me and what I, but as far as the polls and all that stuff, I don't believe any of that stuff. And I believe that um, we're going to wait and see how the voters determine uh, who's going to be in the race on both sides. Right. Both of these gentlemen are are elder statesmen, and <laughs> both of them have. You know, I'm I'm just gentlemen and statesmen are are words I wouldn't necessarily use for both of them, but okay. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just trying to be. You know, look, let's gotcha. be real. But the it, just the actuarial tables alone yeah. make you question who's going to be in the race. And, you know, there's look, Donald Trump is facing 91 felony charges in four different jurisdictions. He's not Neo in the Matrix. He's not going to dodge all those bullets. Joe Biden has trouble in the Democratic Party. There are Democrats who don't want him running again. And he's and he's aging. And both and, and and the presidency. Look, folks, the presidency that it ages you. And if you're already aged, yes, I'm not saying that that either one of them are mentally incompetent right now, but I'm saying that, you know, hey, you're 82, you're 78. Hey, that's that there should be room for, you know, younger folks to to come up. And honestly, that's where I'm at. I would like to see younger blood uh, on in both sides. But if it comes down to it, and if it's Trump and Biden, you, you know, where it's there's a guy who got uh I mean, I know that's going to be tough and some people won't even vote, but it's that's why I remain unconvinced that either one of them are going to actually be at this point in time. I remain unconvinced that either one of them will be on the ballot in November. But historically, has there ever been I mean, we've got the two perceived, you know, nominees as at this point. Have both parties ever came up, come up with different candidates this close well, to the election? Remember, yeah. <laughs> I mean, excuse me. No one picked Hubert Humphrey. Right. You know, right. and uh, I mean, no one picked Jimmy Carter. There were people, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, was perceived and he wasn't the guy in 76. He was uh-huh. the, ended up being the guy in 80. Right. Um, yeah. Anything can happen. And anything it usually does. Happen. There are way too many plates shifting right now for us to accurately describe it is. And I'd like to see somebody make a speech that, you know, I, you, you know, well, of a speech that I'd like to see. Yes. Perfect um, timing here. Um, great yeah. segue. So, so your column last week at salon.com, actually my husband sent it to me. He's like, 
he, he's also a big fan of yours. He's like, you got to read Brian Karam's column. He, he told us about a, a dream that he had about a speech that you want to see a candidate deliver. The headline attributes it to Biden. But you say that that the candidate in your dream, the person who or the president in the dream, the person who delivered the speech was sort of faceless. You couldn't yeah, tell who my it was. dream speech. I'm not going to tell you who I think the dream candidate was. I, you know, I couldn't see the face in the dream, but it, it, my dream speech is someone who addresses the reality and says, you know, look, the, the Republican Party is this, this and this. And the Democrats are this. And this is what we need to hear. And we need to hear somebody who's going to bring us together, not separate us. We're going to need a heavy dose of reality. And we're going to need someone who actually understands that there is a diversity of thought in this country. And that diversity of thought needs to be embraced. I disagree with what you say, but will defend to death your right to say it is the basis of our First Amendment. That's right. And so I don't care if you dislike me hate me or love me listen and critically think i would i'm part of my dream and this is how you know it's a dream is i i dream that the american uh, electorate would read and be critical about the news and understand that what a vetted fact is before they spoke an opinion and so that's how you know it's a dream because everybody talks straight out of their ass <laughs> and, and never <laughs> and never once bother and and they doubt the people who actually witness the history i've had people tell me well that's not what happened january 6 and i'm going well you know hey i was there were you no but i know because i saw a video no, no. i'm sorry that's not reality the reality is an eyewitness who is there and i was and i know what i saw and no matter what you think you're not going to convince me that what i saw and what i experienced didn't occur. So, uh, you know, I, I dream that there's a little more critical thinking. I dream that my profession reporters are a little bit better at what they do <laughs> because we're not, we suck. There are some people who have no clue what a vetted fact is. And, and folks, I'm not here to tell you truth. I'm a reporter. I'm here to present vetted factual information and you will decide what your truth is based on those facts. But if we can at least agree on what the facts are, then we're all in the same you know, theater at, this, at the same time. Right. But we have a phenomenon going on. I call it opposite world where nothing makes sense. In fact, let me just play a little clip. I don't know. This was some, you know, uh, the RSBN Network. I don't know what RSBN stands for, but I, I don't want to know, I think. So there's this uh, female reporter at a really Trump. Really silly bully ninnies. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's really a... silly bully ninnies. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but it, go ahead. It's at a Trump rally in Iowa. And this um, blonde woman is talking to a, a, a well, a, a Trump supporter. I don't want to say he's perfect. The only perfect person that ever walked this earth was Jesus. But he <laughs> is he was wonderful in office for four years, and oh, he yeah. proved that. So yeah. what is it about Trump that you love so much? Uh, number one, he's a godly man. He's a godly he, he's man? He's working for God. What? He's darn sure. With who? Uh, number what? two, he really cares about us. He what? He cares about us. He cares about what happens to us. He cares about our country. <laughs> he didn't come in there because he wanted the money. He's got money. No, he he's, doesn't. He's came in there because he is actually working for okay. God. That's enough. That's all you need to hear. There are people out there, and you've been to some of these <laughs> Trump rallies, <laughs> a number I've of them. I've been to many Trump rallies, and, yes. And, and the, they are, those are the people. People that populate this, they don't understand fact fiction. They, 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 well, it's not that I, I, you know, once you've been grifted, you don't want to believe that you've been grifted. And so you'll double down and believing the grifter, but more to the point, And I think I pointed this out in that, in that article, one of the things that Donald Trump appeals to is people who feel like they haven't had their voice heard in government. And mm. so they, they want, and, and it was his idea of kicking down the doors and draining the swamp that attracted a lot of people who feel they've been left out of the political discussion. I, I find the far right and the far left are actually very much alike, mm -hmm. and that it, at the end of the day, some of the Bernie bros are no different than some of the really far right people. And I know that angers people. I'm sorry, but I hear the same rhetoric out of them. You know, God sent him here to do God's work. <laughs> well, who is this God? Look, <laughs> folks, there are four to five thousand religions in, in, on this planet. 
And which fictional God is, are you backing up? You know, and people go, well, the God, the Christian God, because that's Odin, uh, uh, Allah, (laughs) uh, the Aztec God of, you know, Sumerian God. Oh, oh, the Christian God, which Christian God? Right. Not the Catholic God, but the Christian God that what the. Yeah, and I'm so a a religious. Well, the Catholics believe in one version of that. You even have the Pope coming out and going, "Hey, he's blessing LGBTQ." That's right. Uh, and 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 by the way, he represents the Jesuits who think different than the Franciscans and the Dominicans. These are all little sects inside the Catholic faith, and the Jesuits are the liberal end of of the Catholic faith, and they're more like the Vince. You know, Vince Lombardi was a Jesuit and a progressive. So, you know, my dad used to call the Jesuits, you know, the Vince Lombardi wing of the Catholic faith. <laughs> so I guess you believe in that God where there is another God who they, they'll believe in, who, who believes that, you know, even though it says with the first breath drawn, and I think that's in Leviticus, that's when life begins. They, well, there are people that that's believe what the that, Jews believe. Yeah. And so, well, that's from the, from the Torah, the which, old Testament. You know, all right, right. Yeah. The right. old of which the Christians call the old Testament. So there's the Torah, the old Testament. That's, that's Rocky one. Right. The Christians are Rocky two. That's the new <laughs> Testament. And then Allah and, and that's Rocky because they all, if you read uh, the, the holy teachings of the Muslims, right. They venerate Jesus Christ, too. Do they? So that's Rocky three. <laughs> and then everything else is fan fiction. As far as I'm concerned, it, you know, those three major religions are Rocky one, two and three. So which which God actually, because Jesus is in two of them. Moses is in all three of them. Uh, I, I, I find it hard to follow anyone who believes in religion because I think they're they're They've decided for themselves what. God is. And many of them have never even read the Holy scriptures that they claim they follow. Right. So that's, you know, Matthew 25, you know, treat the least of us as you, you know, whatever you do to the least of us, you do to me, whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers that you do unto me. And, and Matthew's telling, you know, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have right. them do unto you or treat a stranger in your land as a member of your own family. <laughs> well, that kind of kills the immigration argument there, you folks. Think? And, you and, got, and Donald you Trump, go, Poisoning yeah. the blood of Americans. What the fuck? Well, that's, uh, I, you that's know, and look, I'm going to be honest. I think sometimes he reads what's written for him um, and, and then we'll double down on it later. But I don't think he gives any thought to the fact that someone writing his speech has probably stole that from Mein Kampf. Right. But that's uh, but it, it's affecting the world. Yeah, it is. And it's frightening. And, and the thing is, the things that he says, I don't know. He's got to know how dangerous it is. I don't think he gives a damn. Um, he talks well, about. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. No. So that and you, that's that's it. That's all you got to say right there. If right. you don't it's believe the church it, of Donald Trump. Just, yeah. Just if if you don't believe that, I, I'm not saying that as opposing his his beliefs or opposing his politics. I'm just saying look at it objectively. There is a person who is very narcissistic who only cares about themselves and doesn't really care about you unless you can do something for him. The evidence is there that even the people that helped him out the most, look, Michael Cohen. Yeah. uh, Just ran him under the bus and kept grinding him up. And then you want to talk about um, weaponizing the DOJ. It was uh, Bill Barr who tried to keep Cohen in because Cohen wanted to write a book and exercise his free speech. So, Look, I, I have a problem with all politicians. Not all of them, uh, not all of them warrant the same criticism, but all of them warrant being critically observed. Um, without a doubt, all even the ones that you like, they warrant being critically if, observed. If right? you cannot critically, if you cannot critically observe even those that you support or like, then you're not doing your job as a reporter. And you're not doing your job as a citizen because there are people who will tell you that, you know, it's weak. And and I think I addressed this in the column that you're talking about earlier. People address it as weak if you change your mind on a subject. No, that's not weakness. Weakness is not changing your mind when presented with factual information that disagrees with your preconceived notions. That's weakness. Changing your mind to refre- reflect reality, that's a strength. And we need to be more attuned to that. Politicians get called on the carpet all the time, which developed 
the the attitude that if you change your mind, you're weak or that you're, you're a flip flopper. Well, right. maybe you came upon better information and you changed your mind for that. That shows a strength and that's what you want out of someone that you elect to office. Always. And, you know, if you can't criticize those who you support, then you're not doing your job, whether whether it is as a journalist or a citizen. I think it is our responsibility to, you know, to give feedback, good and bad. Obviously, you want to praise uh, your your politicians if they're doing a good job. I think that happens all too I don't rarely. want to praise any politician, but <laughs> I, I will say that, that um, a cr- good critical eye is uh, an, an, you know, and a well-informed electorate uh, is well. necessary for a democracy to survive. So I would say that we need better educated voters and we need a better informed media, which will lead to better educated and better formed informed voters. And by the way, folks, whatever you think, I don't care if you agree with me or disagree with me. I really urge everyone in 2024 to go out and vote, express your opinion, we in this country, we believe that a good voter turnout in an election is 50, 55 percent. Right, which is And I'm sorry, shameful. that's not true, because if you look at the numbers, that means a mere 25 percent, a quarter of the voters plus one with a 50 percent voter turnout, 25 percent plus one vote gets you elected. And that's a minority. That's right. Of voters. That's right. You need 75, 80 percent electoral turnout in every election and you need to. Uh, so in 2024, not only do I ask you to vote, I ask you to make sure that you're you're you get your neighbors and your friends and your family to vote and that you dri- volunteer to drive people to the polls and that you uh, volunteer as a poll worker. And hey, don't just and this is also in the column. Hey, don't trust, you know, professional politicians run no. for office if you That's have an right. opinion. Don't be afraid to do it no matter what your opinion is, because, you know, Good politics is the art of half a loaf. As long as we all agree on the fact that the constitute that we're a constitutional or based on the constitution and a constitutional democracy, we all may not get what we want. But anyone who supports the constitution, Mazel Tov, God bless you. And if you don't support the constitution, well, you chose poorly. So get out, and it, we may all not agree on how we get to our goal, but our goal should be to support the constitution. Should be, although we have a guy who may or may not be the Republican nominee who says he would he would suspend the Constitution. He would do away with it. This is it's, a- it's bigger than him. It's look, it, it's it's a lot of people in that particular yeah. mindset. And, and that uh, we need to look beyond that. And it's not just on a national level. It's on a state and local level. And there's, I mean, in the state of Texas, or as I call it, the state of disillusionment or delusion, that that is particularly onerous. And then there's there's local races where they want to, you know, ban books and yep. ban parents from. And I'm sorry, no book. If you're banning books or rock music, if you're doing all of that, you're not on the right side of history. No, if you don't look, if you don't want to have an abortion, don't, don't get, get one. one. If you don't like what's the book, don't Don't read read it. it. If you don't like the TV show, don't turn it it. off. Right. But you have no right to tell me what I can read, what I can do with my own body, what I can what what I can watch, what I can hear, what I can listen to. That's not your right. And there are a lot of um, and they're Christian nationalists, which are very dangerous. Who it's not they want freedom of religion. It's they want freedom to dictate to you what your religion is. That's right. They want to tell you how to worship in your own home. And that's not right. No. And there's a lot of that going on. So, yes, I agree with you, Brian Karam. I want everyone to vote, but I also want people to be informed. And unfortunately, the system, are, whether it's the educational system or our media, mass media, is is doing a real disservice. Um, the It's the dumbing down of America. Donald Trump said, I love the poorly educated. I think that was not, uh, you know, a slip of the tongue. I think he absolutely meant it because the, an uneducated so corporate elector, media, by oh, the way. Without corporate a doubt. Media. Without yes. a doubt. They, you wanna, they want you to stay in your silo, in your preferred silo, and buy. And look, what's behind all of this? Money. Money. The media is all about money. It's not about informing you. It's about pandering to your own pre-existing prejudices and reinforcing them. 
And that's the scary part about the media. It really is. And it's right now, it's this horse race. It's it's the the polls. We're, we're a year out from the election. The polls could be a curiosity, but anybody who's putting more oh, credence the in them. Right, thank you. So, but this is all they harp on. We ha- I have to turn the TV off. I cannot listen to it anymore. Uh, well, because it, that's very easy for a reporter report on a poll. Right. It's very you have you don't have to have they treat it like a ball game. Right. But you know it's a ball game. The, it's a horse remember race. The, remember the time when people who covered our government had 10, 15 years of experience. It was <laughs> it was Sam Donaldson, my first day in the White House. Yeah. He said, Brian, look at those seven seats in the first row of the Brady briefing room. It wasn't called a Brady briefing room then. He said, you know, it was a briefing room. He said, these are those seven seats. There's more than 200 years of experience there. Right. A, we're lucky if there's 50. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there are people that graduate right out of college and go to cover the White House or Congress and they get used to access and then they pander to the access to keep the access. Exactly. And then politicians are good at playing them against each other. So they don't get access or they keep access and they mostly limit it to the pool who then believe that they're the elite. Right. And they're not. I mean, there are kids, there are kids that are covering the White House today. They're the same age as some of the kids that I coached in football. And I want to tell them to give me two laps and drop them, give me 20 <laughs> push ups because they don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. And so that that becomes, you know, fascinatingly frightening. Right. And and you're right. And then they concentrate on the on the horse race and they want you to think that's all there is to it. And it, it's yep. got to be more. And so people need to be involved. And that's why, I, you know, I love reading your stuff because well, you, thank you go you. there. I love writing it. <laughs> uh, I should also mention you do a podcast as well. Just ask the question. It's at just ask the question dot com. And that's where you have a bunch of other stuff that people can read your articles and Link to different things. Um, we put out a newsletter. Uh, it's just ask the question. We do a weekend review of uh, the news called just ask the press on the just ask the question network. And then just ask the question we've got coming up. Uh, we've got some really good interviews with some entertainers, including Patrick Stone from uh, the, the uh, music group uh, Butterside. And then we, we do some of that. And we do as uh, we've had Ron Perlman on oh. and John Cryer. And so we try to do, we try to mix it up in, in that and, and just have good conversations like you do, Nicole, with people and getting them to, uh, to open up and have fun. That's what, that's what you have to do. Um, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, and, and it's, it's great. And the, your book, you, you've written what, seven books? Uh, eight or nine, but oh. yeah, the latest one is called, <laughs> Free the uh, Press. it's called Free the Press. I think it's in its third printing. You can find it wherever fine books are sold. Nice. So uh, I, I encourage you to go out and read about how we can free the press. And you just celebrated your 40th wedding anniversary, which I find yes, amazing. Yes, I can't believe it. Congratulations. I, Thank you. I'm still 19. My knees are 90, but it all works out. <laughs> you know, I, I put I make a, like a show card for each, you know, to for each show, just a graphic. And because you had this speech, I had you um, here. I'm going to put it up today's. So I had you your face on Joe Biden's oh. body. But I was looking for it to see if I could find a picture of your wife because you have Jill looking adoringly at you. But, you know, I, I couldn't find a picture <laughs> of your a wife. Funny photo. You got to send me that one. Uh, yeah, we ha- uh, my wife's in. I, I posted it, uh, you know, are celebrating our 40th. So, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. We're, we're coming up on our. Eighth. Eighth, uh, uh, New Mazel Year's Tov. Eve. You newlywed, you young little newlywed, you. <laughs> New Year's Eve. And in case you can't tell, I'm in different digs. I escaped yes. from Florida. We're now in Arizona. Less fascist. Ah, well, I, I'm in L.A. right now. Are so you? you're a little closer, honey. A little you're a little closer. closer. Well, yes. I'm not the clamp. This is good. Where in L.A. are you? Because we had the L.A. discussion earlier. Uh, right now I'm in, uh, West Hills, I believe. Okay. So you're, so somebody called me and asked me where, cause I lived in Laurel Canyon. I was telling the story of, oh, yeah. I lived in Laurel, my first house was on Kirkwood drive in Laurel Canyon. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah. And, um, Jim Ladd, who just died two days ago, big legendary disc jockey from LA, uh, yeah. lived about five doors up at the top of the hills, hill from me. And so. We worked oh, at the same Laurel radio Canyon. stations. It's oh, it's wonderful. But somebody called and said, so where's Topanga Canyon as opposed to Laurel Canyon? And I had to do the whole geography of, and if you take Topanga Canyon from like Malibu or PCH over, it'll come out somewhere near West Hills where you are. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Topanga Canyon Boulevard. That's right. So geography, you get geography, you get politics, you get Brian Carroll. Well, yeah, you get it all here. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. I'm, I'm guessing you're out Nicole, with family and friends. Yeah, I'm, yes, we're out there visiting family. So Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. And anytime you want me, you got me. Thank you so love much. Your show. I love your show. It's a great show. And I love yours too. Brian, it's thank a you. mutual admiration society. Thank you so much. Go enjoy the holiday and we'll talk to you next year. Thank you. You have fun. Thank you. You too. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Brian Karam, everyone. Find him. He's on all the socials and I, I, I'll i put him on, you know, all, well, they're up on the video. They're kind of. No, they're not. Um, he's on Shitter. He's on um, uh, Blue Sky. He's on Mastodon. He's on uh, Threads, all the ones that I'm on. So they're out there. You can just say Brian Karam on threads if you want to find it, because I'm not going to do all that work. Um, I'll tell you what I was going to do is read to you that speech column, but we're in overtime now. I have like best of shows to put together, so I'm not going to do it. What I will do is um, I'll link to it because you should hear, I'll, I'll read you just a few seconds of it. Here's how it, how his speech, his this presidential speech starts. I know some of you are fearful. Some of you are adamant. Some of you believe that to change your mind now shows weakness. But look around. Everyone fails. Everyone makes mistakes. It is not weakness to admit your mistakes and change your mind. It is weakness not to. Thomas Edison famously said, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And there are no rules here. We're trying to accomplish something. And we're trying to accomplish something in this country too. Majority rule. Democracy and a government of, by, and for the people. We've made mistakes, but we've made great strides. And every time we've made a mistake, we've corrected ourselves. We should not be afraid to do so now. The Republicans say they're the party of limited government. That's not true. They're the party that wants to limit you. They want to limit your access to health care. They want to limit what you read, what you see, and what you hear. They want to limit the way you worship in your home. They want to limit your access to Social Security, which is your money. They want to limit your access to education. They want to limit who can call themselves patriots, Americans, and citizens to those who only think exactly as they do. They want to support the fetus, so they say, but they do not support the mother or the child. They denigrate the homeless while claiming to be Christians. They are proponents of the equivalent of modern day slavery. They actually want an unlimited government that dictates to you how to live. We cannot sit idly by and hope that our democracy is in good hands. And we know why some of us are listening to this message. It is from fear and anger, fear that the government is not listening to you and anger that nothing is being done about it. But there is no deep state. There is only the United States. And our problems cannot be solved by one man stepping forward saying he is the only one who can solve all of our problems. We all know about fake messiahs. And it goes on from there. I hope that 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 whetted your appetite to read the rest of this column because it's really, 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 really good. But I got, I got work to do, so I'm not going to read the rest of it now. All right, with that, we're done for today. Now, maybe I'll share more of it tomorrow. It depends on you because here's how tomorrow works. Tomorrow, see, Festivus is actually the 23rd of December. But this year, uh, the 23rd falls on Saturday right? Saturday or Sunday? The 23rd falls on Saturday. So I'm not doing a show on Saturday. Sorry, just not happening. So tomorrow, because Thursday we have Howie Klein and Friday we have Marcy Wheeler, tomorrow will be our Festivus show. So there's a few elements of Festivus. And I'm not that big a Seinfeld fan, but Festivus, the holiday, I'm a big fan of. One, I'm a, an ordained minister in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. So yes, I am a Pastafarian. That's my religion. Two, um, uh, I believe in the airing of the grievances and the feats of strength. <laughs> I think it's a great holiday. So tomorrow we will have our Festivus celebration, and I want your phone calls. I want your either feats of strength, 
where you can either uh, commend somebody for their feats of strength from the year past, or you can air your grievances. And I got a lot of problems with you people. Sorry, that's a line from the show. Anyway, with that, we're done. We'll do that tomorrow. And um, that's right, B. Yes, a Festivus for the rest of us. All right. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks to Brian Karam. He's, I can spend an hour with him anytime. He, he's, he's, he's really good. We need more like him. All right. With that, we're done. Talk to you later. And uh, yeah, peace out. <laughs>